I don't want to do an expository sermon tonight on that passage, one of Matthew's devastating judgment passages that begin in chapter 18 and end in chapter 25. Uh, but what I want to do is to remind you in the, in the visceral way that uh, Joyce read it for us that quite clearly forgiveness is not something to be trifled with. And so I want tonight to talk about the healing of forgiveness. There's an old Chinese proverb, trying to forgive an unrepentant person is like writing on water. And though the word repent is not very popular today, it often evokes images of rather intense people on Victoria Street with sandwich boards saying repent for the end of the world is nigh, repentance is almost always a necessary prelude to forgiveness. Repentance, using the very well-known word in the scripture, means a change of heart and mind, a turning around of orientation, a returning to God about something where we've gone our own way and our will has superseded what God's will was for us. We've gone the wrong direction. Now we all know that repentance precedes belief. Mark's gospel records Jesus' first words as repent and believe the good news. So repentance precedes belief. And we know that actively choosing to follow Jesus Christ involves repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. Cleanse me, save me, use me. But we want tonight to remember that repenting isn't something you do once and then never do again. Yeah, yeah, I repented when I became a Christian, 1972. It's a recurring part of Christian discipleship. And in order to be in a place to receive the healing or in the light of our prayer meeting tonight for those who are part of the healing team to be used in healing. Some of us will need to be involved in the present business of repenting, of saying sorry to God and meaning it so that we are cleansed to be used or cleansed to receive. The good news is that God accepts true repentance at any time from any person because God's marvelously just like that. Roy Castle, when he was dying of lung cancer, received a letter from a millionaire showbiz acquaintance. In it, the acquaintance wrote commiserations and nice things about the friendship that he'd had with Roy Hackassle, but then he wrote, I can buy anything I want, but I know I've blown it. And Roy Castle apparently wrote back to his friend and said, no, there's always the possibility of change. And that from a man with terminal cancer. Repentance is a change of heart. 
if you're lucky enough to go to Copenhagen, besides the little mermaid in Tivoli Park that I confess when I went there, I walked past three times before I recognised it was there. If you've gone to the cathedral in Copenhagen and seen uh, Torvaldsen's tattoo of Jesus, magnificent piece of sculpture, huge and majestic but created by the sculptor in such a way that if you want to look into the face of Jesus, first of all you've got to draw right close and then you've got to get down, then you've got to look up. And it's the only way to look Jesus in the face. The idea of drawing close and kneeling down and looking up is the body language of repentance. And for some of us, it's time to repent again. And for those of us for whom that's true, we know that. And how God meets many of us here tonight depends on how we respond to that spiritual truth about our condition. So the first thing is repentance precedes healing. The second word is about the healing of forgiveness is be forgiven. That is, you be forgiven. Do you know which group of people are among the worst to accept the forgiveness of God? Big sinners, those with a string of sins as long as your arm, if they've been in this parable, they're the first group of people, millions and millions of pounds owed because of. Maybe. Unbelievers, are they the most people most resistant to the idea that you accept forgiveness? Maybe. But we know because of various studies that Christians themselves are absolutely hopeless at receiving forgiveness for themselves. We'll counsel people. We'll look them in the eye and say to them as they reveal to us sometimes horrible or sometimes quite trivial things but it's messing up their lives and we'll look them in the eye and truthfully and faithfully say to them, God can and will forgive you. You can offer the word of grace. We stand on the instruction of scripture and we offer forgiveness. Some people might do that to others tonight. But then those same people are so hesitant to declare God's forgiveness to themselves. We're the person who almost like Peter in the gospel sort of says, well, you know, don't wash my feet, Lord. It's, it's all right. I won't have anything to eat, Lord. Just give it to everybody. I'm all right. Peter, unless you let me do this, you have no part of me. Peter, unless you eat, we are not in communion again. Agents of the gospel of forgiveness, resistant to the forgiveness of the gospel. There's a story of Billy Graham with a man on a plane. When he realized who he was sat next to, the man sort of said, I don't really believe God has forgiven me all my sins. Billy Graham opened his Bible to 1 John 1, 1.9 and handed it the Bible, uh, Bible to the man and said, uh, just read that verse, will you? 
If we confess our sin, read the man, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, says Billy Graham. You've read it wrong, read it again. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, no, it's still wrong. No, it isn't, I've read it right. Yes, it is. It says, cleanses from some unrighteousness, said Billy Graham. No, it doesn't, said the man. It says here, God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And apparently Billy Graham took the Bible and looked quizzically at the verse as if he'd seen it for the first time and said, oh yes, so it does. It's all of us and all of it. Not some of us and some of it. And one of the great temptations of those people who are called into Christian ministry is to make themselves impervious of the truths that they so easily declare to other people. But the arrogance, the arrogance of actually a group of people saying, I won't seek to be forgiven. I will not receive. I don't need it. I've had conversations with people who have said to me from time to time, if you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't be offering to me the forgiveness of God as easily as you are. And I've said to them, no, I probably don't know what you've done. But you can decide to receive God's forgiveness or you can decide to reject it. And that goes for Christian people long in the tooth of faith as well. Because on the cross, Jesus died once for all for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, let me just be philosophical here, but if, you, if you're not of a philosophical bent, just forget this bit of the sermon. But I wonder if any of you have ever spilled ink on a new carpet the people who have or ruined the new carpet are wincing at the moment, I can tell as I look round the congregation. Worse, have you ever spilled something on someone else's new carpet? Yep, the winces are getting bigger. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had a piece of blotting paper which when you laid it on the stain on the carpet sucked it all out? <laughs> And if you had sole rights and you were the inventor of that blotting paper, you'd think to yourself, I'm worth a fortune. I've invented this blotting paper, which wherever you put it on a stain in a carpet, it comes up absolutely new. Every other detergent and cleaner eat your heart out. But imagine that there was a piece of blotting paper, which when you laid it on the stain in the carpet, on that stain it went and sucked it all out and the carpet looked absolutely new. But when you turned over the blotting paper, the blotting paper was light new as well. Well, you wouldn't be rich because everybody would only ever need one piece. And on the cross, Jesus died once for all. 
So some of us need to hear the word be forgiven again. Because God longs to do that. And then the third thing is, and it's tied up with our hymns tonight and it's tied up with that gospel passage. If you are the recipient of God's forgiveness, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are charged under the gospel to forgive other people. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We're going to say in the Lord's Prayer in a few moments. I remember hearing a recording, I wasn't there, of a conference in South America some years ago and a testimony by a man called Steve. He arrived with two members of the tribe among whom he'd worked and his father had also been a missionary in South America 40 years earlier, working among the same tribe. Steve's dad had been killed when Steve was a small boy by a member of the tribe among whom they were ministering. And Steve emotionally recounted in this word of testimony how his father's death had affected him as a young boy growing up. And then he introduced one of the men with him and it became clear that this was the man who had killed his father. The man had become a Christian some years after that and as a consequence of that had decided to take the place of the man that he'd killed and that was Steve's father. Steve described his love for this man in his testimony and the love of, the ch- of his children for this man who was known by Steve's children as Grandad. Now, most of us confess that we're not going to get anywhere near forgiveness like that. But glorious though it is, it's only a shadow of God's forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. That story works so powerfully because the man received forgiveness and repentance and Steve exercised forgiveness and you could argue without both parties agreeing together to be like that with one another you've got less than the perfect scenario remember what I was talking about at the beginning of the sermon trying to forgive an unrepentant person is like writing on water And it's true that some of us are rent apart by hurts that have happened to us, by relationships that have gone wrong, by occasions that started with love and they've ended up with bitter enmity. And we wouldn't have to be very long in a context of Christian ministry for some of us to say, actually, you know, I'm okay with this for 95% of the time, but there's 5% of people and things and I just cannot do it. And then there's those weird individuals on TV who respond to the most awful things that have happened to them in the most different ways. 
And we understand both. They're perfectly human. We understand the relative of one of the Hillsborough 96 being interviewed in Liverpool last week when she effectively says about the authorities, I've had sleepless nights for the last umpteen years. I hope they have sleepless nights for the rest of their lives. And then you meet the person whose son was blown apart many years ago with the troubles in Ireland. Who looked at the camera and said through his grief, I forgive the person who killed my son. Some people can find it within themselves to do that. Some people don't want to. And writing and trying to forgive an unrepentant person is like writing on water. Except there is a difference, isn't there? That although we can't condition when we're thinking about forgiving others, we can't condition others to repent and then us forgive. There is the healing of forgiveness that comes and says in effect whether that person repents and receives my forgiveness or not, I will let this go. I will let it go sometimes because of the way I express it almost in selfish terms because it is so eating into me and I am so fed up with living with the years of bitterness of this and I know that person will never ever seek repentance, we say with great surety. But I will let it go. Which is why the Chinese proverb is mostly right, but not wholly right. It's true that forgiving an unrepentant person is like writing on water. But it's also true that forgiving an unrepentant person sets free the forgiver. Because forgiveness, though it's hard and though it hurts, heals. It isn't fair, it's forgiveness. It isn't revenge, it's forgiveness. It isn't forgetting, it's choosing to remember no more. And that's different. And some of us cannot walk this journey of Christian discipleship because we're hampered by the baggage of not continuing to strive to forgive ourselves and other people. Some of us have been wondering why our discipleship is like walking through a sand dune. And for some, the reason is quite simply that we have not heeded what we pray as we pray each time in the Lord's Prayer. So some of us can't receive God's forgiveness that I've just spoken about, much as God desires to forgive us, for our unforgiveness is the same barrier that it was for the man in the parable. Tonight it's time for some of us to take one more step in being forgiven and in seeking to forgive, whether or not the person or the situation is repentant, 
but because it's time to be free and it's time to be healed. Amen. So we sing, oh for a heart to praise my God.